Ads, schmads. If you don't want ads, that's okay. Choose the Dave McWilliams Plus option on Apple Podcasts. And hey, presto, no ads. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing? It's podcast time. Uh, we are talking about 1984. John is here. I, remember, I, I do remember him at 1984, a big mop of curly hair on him. I was and rocking a mullet, Mac. I you was were rocking, rocking a mullet. I was. You were rocking a mullet. You had a particularly fine, sort of Bono-esque mullet. Was yes, it? it was, yeah. 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 And uh, it was uh, a cross between a kind of a George Michael Bono mullety thing going on. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You know all the young fellas that walk around these days with, with the mullets. mullets? Yeah, like they having a patch on this mullet. They are second rate mullets. Although I didn't have a tash. I only had a little Ronnie. Yeah, well, the little Ronnie, I remember, but it's the it's it's very difficult to 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 carry off the uh, Antipodean rugby mullet and tash combo, which I've seen on the young fellas. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 99 Red Balloons reminds you of the summer or winter of 1984, was it? Yeah, 1984. That was... Musically, that was a great year, actually. Was it? Yeah. That's well, I mean, it's we will pop. get onto a bit of economics in a second. Go on, tell me musically. I well, can't. well, we had lots of uh, lots of wham. They came lots out. Lots of wham. Yes. Frankie goes to Hollywood. That's when they hit the scene big time. They did three big hits that year, back to back, back to back. Relax. Our growing two tribes, which was <laughs> yes, two tribes, which, which was, was my favorite. Reagan against Chernyenko, was it? It was pre-Gorbachev. Yeah, so, yeah. Or Andropov. And they were, okay. Yeah, it was a really good summer. Actually, it was a brilliant video. That was video. summer number one. I remember it well. Because remember I was talking last week about having to try and escape the Irish language That's inquisition, right. the Torquemada of the Irish language, yeah, 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 and yeah. get back to uh, Paris's finest but, in London. But, but, but actually, definitely the, the background noise was two tribes. Absolutely. And, and what is interesting about that, just to go on a little aside here for a second, that was the height of the kind of CND it was, movement, yeah. you know, the campaign against nuclear disarmament and all the rest. Green and Plumman was a place in the UK, wasn't it? All yeah, yeah, all? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but the thing is that when you kind of, we're talking about 1984 today, and it seems to kind of come back around those same worries and concerns about nuclear, that he, uh, Putin flying in his nuclear bomber there the other day showing off, you know, yeah. it's all come back around full circle. See, John, again. The, the mullet's back. Okay. <laughs> the mullet back. I'm gonna, the Holly Johnson 
I Frankie gotta... goes to Hollywood. <laughs> it's all back. It's I, all back. I worked for Holly Johnson, actually. Did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. What uh, was he like? He was an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the reason we're talking about 1984 is not to reminisce about John's <laughs> mullet and Ronnie combo, although it was quite a look, nor is it to reminisce about Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Relax, nor is it to reminisce about 99 Luftballon. Luftballon, I remember yeah. actually because yeah. in 1982, Dorky United went on a tour, a soccer tour to Berlin. And we actually, it's a mad thing, we yes. played a game in East Berlin. And that idea of the balloons going over the wall was very poignant if you'd actually seen it. Yes. Because yeah, we were yeah, actually yeah. staying in Kreuzberg, which is now hipster central, right? Right. But back then, it was just purely Turkish. And it was up against the wall. So Berlin's completely changed. The on whole, the east side? No, it's on the west side. Right, right? Okay. And then we went into the east to play a game. And to this day, I don't know how that was organised. If anyone yeah. remembers that, if anyone talking now remembers our trip to Berlin in 1982 and our trip into East Berlin, into the GDR, give us a shout. I can't remember how it was Very progressive. Very of, progressive. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. very subversive. Very subversive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Being members uh, of the Workers' Party, a communist cell in the Dorky United yeah. Firmament. Anyway, it was poignant, the idea of the Red Balloons, but I'm not sure that's what attracted you about her. No, no, it was everything else. It was all the other bits. <laughs> the reason we're talking about 1984 is we talked last time about the dart. And the dart coming in 1984, right? Which yeah. is 40 years ago. And this podcast is going to be on a Topic we've come back to before, which is cathedral thinking, the idea that we need to think big in order to achieve the potential of this country, right? I'll just give you one statistic, John. In right. 1984, mm -hmm. the GDP of this country was 20 billion euros. 20 okay. billion. Today, the GDP is 600 billion euros. Now, that means that the economy has increased 30-fold. The Irish economy, in 40 years. The current Irish economy now is 30 times bigger. Now, you can say, okay, well, GMP or GDP is the wrong number. And you look at GNI, which is tries to take out the multinationals, although I don't know why you should. Well, I'm sorry, well, just what's GNI? Okay, so, so basically you have these... So GDP in Ireland... Gross domestic product. Gross, I understand okay. that. And one. the reason it is very, very large, so 600 billion, some people argue, many, many economists argue that that the figures are overstated by what they call transfer pricing, which is the multinationals bringing stuff in here that they don't actually make, stamping it's made in Ireland, and then re-exporting okay. it out. And the made in Ireland stamp means it's included in the GDP figures. Okay. So in order to actually take out that, you have to look at something called GNI, which is gross national income, which tries to assess what is called also, in economic terms, domestic demand, right? Right. So in order to get that, the figure for GNI is about 400 billion. And you reckon so, that's more accurate? I don't think it is. I oh. actually don't think it is, because I've always maintained that the multinationals here are not false. They're real. So when you go, for example, I mean, I, I, we're, going to go well, to, we're, yeah. going to, we're going to go to Cork in a second, right? Yeah. In this podcast, because you have to go to Cork. <laughs> the point is, you know, <laughs> Pfizer in Ring of Skiddy is real. Yes, right? it is. When yeah. you get the... The, the dart, which we're talking about as well, here from Dunleary into town, at Grand Canal docks, all those jobs are real. Yes. There's not, there's not some fabrication. And the services they export are real. So I would be a little bit agnostic at this sort of purist idea that you have to disaggregate multinationals from the economy. We have set up our economy that way. Yeah. Now, whether we like it or not, it is not the unintended consequence of policy, John. It is the intended consequence yeah, of policy. Yeah, okay. But... 
For the purposes of this podcast, what is absolutely crucial to appreciate is that the Irish economy, on either measure, is either 20 times or 30 times bigger than it was in 1980. It's still a big figure. A, it's a massive figure, but B, it is probably the most impressive growth rate of any economy in the world, including China, in the last 40 years. Right. And people including don't appreciate Korea as well. Including Korea. Korea. So yeah. people don't appreciate that, that this place really is an outlier. Now, of course... Here's the big but. Here's the big but. Yeah, here's the, there's always a big but, John. The economy is 20 or 30 times bigger than it was 40 years ago. But do we have 20 or 30 times the public infrastructure that we uh-huh. had? Right? Yeah. Because if the economy is growing at that pace and the public infrastructure doesn't expand commensurate at a commensurate volume, then you're going to get problems. And of course, in Ireland, we look at the dart... We say, oh, that was built 40 years ago. And you think, well, what else has been built since? As we said the other day. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sweet fuck all, right? Because if the economy is able to grow at these unbelievable rates of growth, if wealth is created, if income is increasing, if the if the total, as they say in the new, quantum has increased, sorry, it's an yeah. awful brutal, right? And then you look and say, okay, who's at fault here? What's going on? I think it's basically about a malignant intersection of the political class, the planning system, and senior civil service priorities. At every juncture, this triumvirate of waste and this triumvirate of destruction of opportunity has kept the public infrastructure but back. Then, but then you have to ask why. And we have to ask why. So look, we plotted it last week, but just a little, again, mm, if you yeah. think in, in Dublin, but I'm going to go to Cork, Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and we're going to go to Galway. I've been travelling a lot this week, right? <laughs> I've been in Galway, I've been in Cork, I've been here, I've been all over the gaff, yeah. right? But if you look at Dublin, Irish Rail and various iterations of Irish Rail made in 1970 three proposals. One, a dart that we have here, yeah. which is basically a coastal dart. Two, a dart going out to the Blanche and Talla, which were just growing at the time in the 80s yeah. into huge suburbs. And three, an underground dart linking... Houston to Connolly. So yeah. you'd actually have the whole system integrated, yeah. right? Makes complete sense. Yeah. They only built one of them, the easiest by far, which was basically to customise an old Victorian line here, which existed since the 1840s. Yeah. So this line, Dunleary to Dublin, is the oldest suburban railway in the world. Yeah. So the first one ever built. And of course, all the infrastructure was built by the Victorians, right? Yeah. And, and we just customised it. It was also still being used by... The mainline rail. Exactly. And they never, of course, put three rails, which is why mainline trains go really slowly behind darts, because there's only two lines. That's true. That's so you true, have, yes. So yeah, everyone yeah. else in the world has three yeah. lines. So you can fast line and two slow lines, right? But yeah. Ireland is, oh, no, we can't be doing that, right? And of course, one of the reasons we can't be doing that was that the state couldn't requisition the back gardens of people in Sandymount. Some right. of the back gardens. Think about it. Right. And okay. some, of, some of the back gardens here in Dunleary. Right? Because they, they wouldn't have room for the gazebo then. They wouldn't have room for the gazebo on the tennis court. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. So think about it. Right? Wow. Okay. So all state planning is subject to individual obsessions with private property. Mm. And as a result, you get mainline trains from Wexford, which snake up behind the dart. Right? Yeah, 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 they can't yeah, go yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Right. In any other country, there's three lines. In Ireland, of course, too. Mm. But that's another thing. Then, of course, you have Gareth Fitzgerald. When the dart was unveiled, uh, said if he had to do it again, he'd never have done it. 
Right. He's a fella who pretended to be a transport economist. That was his job title. Right. At every stage, the difficult part, the underground, or the new lines out to Tala and Blanche were abandoned because of expediency. And then every time there was a financial crisis, of which we had many, the priorities of the senior civil servants were to cut back that. Yeah. So rather than, because if, again, if there's a financial crisis, you have a second, okay, we used to be able to finance these three things, or these five things, or these 10 things. What do we cut? They always cut public infrastructure. Why? Because they wanted to maintain salaries. Why? Because the civil servants got the salaries, if you think about it. But if they invested in the capital infrastructure, then it would have the multiplier effect. Of course, so, of course, but they don't see that way because maybe most of them are not economists. Number right. One. Remember this idea of accountancy, that the world is locked into a battle between accountants and economists. Yeah. And accountants see the world in a static balance sheet approach, right? Yeah. Many accountants, not all, but many. Yeah. Economists should see the world in, in this dynamic idea. Yeah. That, in fact, this leads to this, leads to this, leads to this, right? And at the core of this thinking is accountancy dominating economics. Yeah. That's what I think. It's the, the price of everything and the value of well, nothing. Well, it's exactly. And it's, it's, also, it's also the price of everything today yeah. rather than the price of everything tomorrow because the price of everything tomorrow is actually a dynamic function, yeah. right? It yeah. goes on. But it's about value at the end it of the day. It is about value. And then, yeah. of course, you put it on top. I don't know if you've noticed this week. Sorry, but this podcast is very Irish-specific at the moment, but it'll get a little bit more international yeah. in a second, okay? This also applies to uh, Everywhere. international... You, look at, you look at the United States has got terrible public infrastructure. Yeah. Canada has terrible public infrastructure. The United Kingdom has terrible public infrastructure. It's a, it is an affliction of... Anglo-Saxon states, which are governed by common law, which is an important right. link. Okay. Let's and there is a very, place. very strong correlation between housing price booms and housing inaffordability and an inability to build public infrastructure. So the countries that can build public infrastructure don't have housing price booms. And they're all related. Yeah. And the, one, of the, one of the reasons they're related is that in our common law system, everybody has a right to object, yeah. which we've inherited from the Brits, right? Now, of course, that means that every big public piece of infrastructure can be objected. Yeah. That also, therefore, means an elevated role for politicians, national politicians who masquerade as local councillors, which are our TDs, right? So at the moment, you have a situation where after 40 years of talking about Dublin Metro, it's apparently now in the consideration stage, right? Yes, yes. And they're all having their tuppence happening, giving their views about yeah. it. And politicians are now saying, oh, well, it can't go there. What they are doing, these are politicians who sit in the doll in our parliament. So they're not yeah. councillors. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. they are behaving yeah. like councillors. And of course, the economic model for all this is the paradox of aggregation. So why is objecting to public infrastructure bad for the general society? Just remind us what the paradox okay. of aggregation is. I happen to think the paradox of aggregation is one of the most important notions in macroeconomics. Right. And it is very rarely explained in macroeconomics textbooks, but I think it goes to the core of understanding how the economies work on a macro dynamic stage. So it is that the paradox of aggregation is what is good for the individual is not always good for the collective. Mm. And what it means that something might be good for you, but the knock-on effect is very bad for everybody else. So you take, for example, somebody now objecting to the metro 
or somebody objecting to a new dark line or somebody objecting to some new piece of infrastructure. Because they said, it is really bad for me. So you take, for example, the back gardens. Okay, we talked about, right? It's really bad to lob off a chunk of my back garden. And that's my amenity. And I have a private property right. Now, if it was just limited to your amenity, that's fine. Yeah. But the problem is, what is good for you is bad for the rest of us. Yeah. So if you take, for example, in the case of a metro building, what is good for a few hundred people in Renala is bad for a million commuters. So what you yeah. basically have, you have the interest of a few hundred bullying the interests of a million. Yeah. But because the million commuters are silent and are not mandated, the politicians who elevate the concerns of the few hundred get the airtime. Yeah. And they impact on decision-making. So what you have is you have a system which mandates the already in situ at the expense of future citizens, number one, or mandates those who are affected directly from those who were affected indirectly. So the paradox of aggregation is, and the best way to look at it is, is imagine you're watching a rugby match and you're sitting in your seat and then as your team move towards the try line of the far team, you stand up to get a better view. That happens in every stadium around the world, right? But when you stand up, it forces the fellow behind you to stand up. And that forces the girl behind him to stand up, the fellow behind him to stand up. And very, very soon, the entire stadium is standing when we had paid to sit and nobody gets a better view. Yes. Right? Yes. So the same idea pertains when it comes to building metros, right? If you stand up and say, I don't want this, what it does is it impacts everybody else. And then at the end of the day, nobody gets a better public infrastructure and nobody gets a better train system, right? Right, now, the okay. reason this is, So the paradox of aggregation is at the core of the dilemma of common law democracies which are unable to build public infrastructure. So this is the interest about economics. This is why economics is politics, it's law, it's engineering, mm. it's everything yeah, together, yeah, yeah. right? So in the case of Ireland... And in the case of Britain and in the case of the United States and the case of Australia, what you find is that public infrastructure is incredibly expensive in comparison. I think we did a piece with Sean Keyes, how the Italians actually build metros 10 times cheaper per yes. kilometre than we yes, do. Yes, right? I remember that. That was Because a few they ago. have a Napoleonic legal system. Now, mentioning Napoleon brings me to where I was last year. Tuesday, John. Go on. I was in a place called Montanotti, the oh, yeah. poshest suburb in Cork. And I was in a place called the Cork Coffee Roasters, a right. little coffee shop just there at St. Luke's in Montanotti. People will know. Now, the reason Napoleon is interesting is Montanotti, which sounds very Italian, because it is. Yes. Right? <laughs> and it was named after a battle in 1796 where the young, energetic, future emperor Napoleon Bonaparte Mm. led the French forces against the Austrians. So in the French Revolution, after the terror, Robespierre, revolutionary France was fighting an internal civil war between the aristocrats, the farmers, the revolutionaries, the bourgeois, and all that. But it was also finding an external existential war because all the monarchies, the Prussians, the Austrians, the Brits, and the eventually the Spaniards, Mm. turned against the French because the idea was that the French revolutionary message was unbelievably dangerous for the monarchies. 
So they wanted to crush France. So an amazing French history is so phenomenal that the French not only managed to win the revolutionary movement, not only managed to win the internal civil war, which was entirely financed by outside agents, yeah. right? But they also smashed everybody, particularly the Austrians, right? Right, And right, one of the right, main right. guys in all this was our friend, Napoleon. Yes. Right? And he, at the battle in 1796 of Montanotti, kicked the shite out of the Austrians. Right. Now, what I've always found intriguing about Montanotti and Cork, because right? yeah. we know it's the poshest area in Cork, yes, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up on the hill. Up on the hill, looking down. Literally, they are yeah. looking down their Napoleonic thrones at the rest of Cork, right? But I've always intrigued, why did they call it Montanotti and how did they get away with it? Because that suburb, if it's called a suburb now, was built in the 1850s at the very height of the British Empire. Yeah. And Cork's economy, and you know, this merchant princes in Cork, was really plugged into the British Empire. Yeah. Right? And you had Cove there. Queenstown. Queenstown there yeah. with massive, massive naval yeah. presence. And they called something after Napoleon. Now, does this suggest that deep down the rebels were always rebels in Cork, right? Yeah. You know, because calling, yeah, something, point. calling something after a victory of Napoleon, who was the sworn enemy of the British Empire, yeah. the sworn enemy of yeah, British yeah, Empire, yeah. 40 years after Waterloo, was an act of sedition. So maybe Cork listeners can put us right on where and how and why it was called Montanotti. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to you after the break, John, about what it all meant. Montanotti, the fact that Cork is actually very small in comparison to Dublin, the fact that Ireland is completely lopsided and based towards Dublin, yeah. and what it all means for regional development. When I sit and have my coffee, these are the things that go through my head. Talk in a second. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So, Mark, let, let's just recap a little bit. Ireland has grown between 20 and, and 30, 30 times yes. in the last 40 years. Our infrastructure hasn't kept up with that. At all. At all. Ireland is completely lopsided and Dublin-centric when it comes to resources and size of cities and all the rest. Yeah. And 
99 Red Balloons was a fantastic was tune. A, it was a humdinger of a <laughs> so, tune. So just, just, just to... okay, tie it all in. Okay, so here we have John is now in Prenzlauerberg in Berlin with his Luft balloons and he's blowing them up and, and getting them go over the wall, right? Okay, okay, I'll give you some stats, John. Yeah, Dublin city and suburbs are home to about 1.2 million people. That's a quarter of the Irish population, about 24.5. So just under a quarter of everybody lives in Dublin. By contrast, Cork, the second city, is only about a fifth of the size of Dublin. Right. Okay. 223,000 residents are 4.3% of the total wow, population. Wow. I, I, actually, I am actually surprised at that. It's tiny. Limerick is smaller again with 1.7% of the state's residents. Yeah. And Galway, which I was also on during the weekend. Yeah. Is more, no more than the big town, yeah, right? Yeah. So missing from all this picture, of course, is Belfast. Belfast is the only other city of any size in this island. Belfast is about 650,000 people. So it's half the size of Dublin. Right, and it's okay. a big, big place. And if you know Belfast, as I do, it's a big, pretty sprawling city, mm, you know, and it's yeah. and it's substantial. It feels like a big, big city. Yes, you know? it does, yeah, yeah. Whereas Cork doesn't. Cork doesn't. But the fascinating thing is Cork has got loads of beauty around it, right? So a good indicator of economic strength is tax collection. Dubliners dominate Irish tax take. 37.2 billion worth of tax receipts are collected in Dublin. That's just over half mm-hmm. of all tax paid. And in Cork, it's about 13 billion. Limerick is about 1.7 billion, which is tiny. And Galway is 1.8 billion. So right. these are very small taxpayers. So the Dubs pay buckets and buckets of tax, right? Yeah. Half of the tax is paid in Dublin despite only a quarter of the people living there. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. This yeah, is again yeah. is rarely said. This is this is my blow for Hill 16. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is at the start of the championship. Let's get things right. Let's get a few things right. Okay. So it's the GAA model, right? right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, the yeah, GAA yeah. model, right? So but but it doesn't mean that Cork can't shoulder some more of the burden of economic expansion, right? Sure. So, for example, there's 194 multinationals in Cork. That's a huge amount of multinationals operating over a variety of sectors, employing about 45,000 people. It has the fourth highest disposable income in the country, Cork City, right? Mm. So it's a wealthy place. Cork Airport is the second busiest airport. The FT even said Cork was the number one small European city for economic potential, right? Really? So it has amazing when potential. When did I say that? In 2022. So not right. that long ago, right? Not, not 1984. No, not 1984. <laughs> not 1984. When, uh, who was coming out of Cork in 1984 band-wise? Micro Disney? Micro Disney would be there, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Frank and Walters, they were a bit yeah. later after that. Uh, Sultans of Ping FC. Sultans of Ping. And of course, Sir Henry's down there. Yeah. And and everybody, there were more people at Nirvana in Sir Henry's than were at the GPO in 1916. <laughs> yeah. Or at U2 in the Dandelion <laughs> yes, Market. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Okay, so we know that. Okay. <laughs> okay, Sir Henry's is also a yoke fest. Yeah. It was that I, I do. I have spent I, many a time down there. Yeah, actually. yeah. Shirt off, Vicks, whistles, <laughs> the whole thing. That's Johnny Boy. Okay, let us move along. Right. So, what I'm saying is, In order to achieve the potential in Ireland, right, the potential of these cities, particularly Cork, right, what we need is some of this cathedral thinking, Mm. right? What we need is this John Gray thinking, the idea of how do we plan, right? How do we, and again, it comes back to this idea of the acceleration, right? How do we figure things out? 
The other thing, and one of the reasons that I'm, I'm going to, we're going to do a podcast on it maybe next week or the week after, John, is that small businesses in Ireland, okay, which are the backbone of the economy, yeah, people talk about their backbone, yeah. are suffering enormously because of this sort of confluence of very high costs and caps on the, uh, not actual, but very, very high costs are driving prices up and people can't afford. So I want to talk about hospitality. I want to talk about restaurants in the future because, yep, 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 because again, absolutely. if you go to somewhere like Cork, as I walked around the other day, you know, very vibrant bars, really vibrant restaurant scene, etc. But all of them are many of them in serious problems given costs. The margins driving. are so tight. Margins are so tight. Yeah. Tourist season isn't as long as it should be. Of course, the local population's income is capped at certain yeah, stage. Yeah. So what you and of course, it's a common VAT is incredibly expensive, and house prices and property prices are pushing up rents, and this is all impacting. So we're going to talk about that in a couple in a couple of weeks yeah. and get back to that idea, right? But it strikes me that what you have is a city that is underutilized given its enormous potential. Architecturally, it's interesting. It is location-wise probably the the gate of probably the nicest part of Ireland in mm. the whole southwest, etc. Yeah, yeah. It has a university. It's got all this stuff going for it, and yet it's underperforming. And of course, the reason I believe it's underperforming is because our one big reason is public infrastructure isn't good enough. Yeah. So, for example, as I was sitting in Montanotti, right up in the hill, <laughs> you know the train that goes into Cork. Yeah. The tunnel that goes into that Kent station yeah. was blasted by the Victorians. We haven't built anything like that since. Like, think about it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was built by people using gelignite and pickaxes. There's no train to Ring City, which is where the port has been moved to. Cork Port is moving to Ring there, there is a plan, though, for a there, train to Ring There's a plan for a motorway. Okay. There's, right? Right, there's, no, okay. there's no train. Right. right. So therefore, what you have is a whole port. And in fairness to the people in Cork, they've moved their port and they're going to liberate all Tivoli and Cork docks yeah. for development, which obviously is a really, really good idea. And again, there's a hardly a more beautiful way to come into Cork than on a boat, if you ever get the chance, up the Lee. Yeah. And on either side of the Lee, you have extraordinary opportunity for development. Yeah. Right. But it needs a plan and it needs somebody to take control of it. And again, I come back to the dart, right? We have had phenomenal economic growth in the last 30 or 40 years, right? 20 or 30 yes. fold. Yeah. We have had nothing like the public investment because the planning system consistently biases towards those who say no rather than those that say yes, number one, because the political system is jaundiced towards those who are already in situ and benefiting from everything, rather than those who might be in situ and are still being displaced. So the paradox of aggregation is forcing the aggregate population, which is much greater, to pay for the intransigence of the minority. And the political system elevates those politicians that shout and roar most about local issues, even though they sit in the national parliament. Yes. Like, I don't mind if they sit in the local parliament. They shouldn't sit in the national parliament, right? Yeah. And the economy is stuck. But I come back to the idea, John, and this is the, the key, is that the 40th anniversary of the dart should not be a cause of celebration. It should be a cause for shame. Shame at a system that doesn't deliver. 
shame at a political class that obscures and obstructs and puts their own small interests before the interests of the nation. And shame at the fact that we have an economy that can grow 30 times greater than it was. Yeah. And yet we cannot build public infrastructure. And all the while, therefore, a huge amount of development gets focused on Dublin. The mental map of the country is still a mental map of of failure. I've always said this, of roads and trains going into Dublin, Mm. but not connecting the rest of the country. And it means that rural Ireland, rural Ireland, which is essentially the greatest resource we have, is starved of people, starved of money, and start of opportunity. It's about surely linking those up. It's like joining the dots to like create the, the, the big picture. Amazingly, you can drive without meeting a traffic light from Cork to Belfast. What? Yeah, really? I've done it loads of times. Yeah, you can drive. Or you just blast it through you can them. Drive, you, know, no, you can drive beside, you know, the Odyssey is in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes, yeah. You can drive from the Odyssey to Cork City without meeting a traffic light. Wow. But you, fun fact on the Denmark Fact, exactly. On the Denmark Fitness podcast. Exactly. But you cannot drive between Cork and Limerick, Limerick and Galway. Maybe Limerick and Galway, you can kind of do it, right? Yeah. And Galway further north. On and a motorway. It, on a motorway that continues, continuous motorway. Yeah. Right? And of course, that means that even visually, we tend to negotiate Ireland in a different way. Yeah. But if we want to increase the possibilities for rural Ireland. So, for example, you take something like since COVID, there has been a massive increase in people working from home. There has been a massive increase in activity in small Irish towns Mm. because people are living there. So there's an organic yearning for more public infrastructure in these areas. And you can't do it. Now, forget a motorway. What about a train? And like we mentioned last week about not even having a rail system up to Donegal, which is just bonkers in my view. Completely isolated up yeah. there. Completely isolated up there. You have places like Sligo, the Limerick-Galway train, totally underutilised and massive demand for it. And again, no train from Galway to Derry. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is that people say, yeah, but there's no demand. But the fascinating things about all public infrastructure, is that supply creates its own demand. So when the Lewis was first muted, people who were again the Lewis said, oh, it'll never achieve its potential. It needs 21 million passengers to break even. It now is 58 million passengers. Yes, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Supply creates its own demand. And that's the way we've got to look at public infrastructure. What looks now, and this goes back to our friend Gray, yeah. as excessive over-engineering building bigger than you need, building more expensive than you need, building with bigger ambitions than you need, is always, always legitimized by demand responding to the new infrastructure. And away we go. That's the way we've got to run the country. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 